This is the Oanda Podcast. Brought to you by Jazz FM's Business Breakfast. You're listening to the Oanda Market Insights Podcast. Each week we preview and review the big business and market stories with Oanda Senior Market Analyst Craig Earlham. And it is a very good morning to Craig. How are you doing? I'm really good, mate. How are you? Uh, I missed you last week. I missed you too. Alf- <laughs> Alfonso did a tremendous job, though. He did. I listened to it. It was we, a cracking pod. We tried to get him back for this one, but <laughs> I think it's, what, five o'clock in the morning. I'm a blocker there. as well. <laughs> I want it back. Um, I'm in quite a good mood today. Uh, well, it is Friday. It's not just that. There's a bit of positivity in the air. Yeah. Uh, surprise, surprise. Uh, on both sides of the Atlantic, we've had this um, pathway to progress quote from Boris is great with words, isn't he? I mean, like him, like him, I think. I don't know that. I feel like that's got a sprinkling of Boris across it. Um, that I think that people seem to be delighted with that, with the wording of this. It gave people that feeling of optimism that we haven't, we would never have got from May. He uh, is good with people, though. Let's be honest. Now, that is part of his uh, charm, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, this is what he's good at. I mean, like I say, like him or loathe him, Parliament and MPMQs has definitely become a lot more entertaining since he uh, (laughs) arrived at the dispatch box. Yeah. Uh, Let's dig a bit deeper into these uh, Boris Varadkar talks, as they're now known. Well, according to me. Um, (laughs) Yeah, the uh, optimism that I'm talking about... uh, We're talking about the 11th hour. Uh, Maybe it's 10, 10 minutes to midnight at the moment. And, Not uh, close enough. Yeah, we've got how many? We've just got a few days before the EU Council summit next week, which is almost the do or die moment, and less than three weeks away uh, from the October the thirty first deadline. Uh, this pathway to progress quote is this based on reality? Well. It seems that they were a lot more optimistic, but the problem is with these things, you tend to get a lot of the um, a lot of the talk that happens when they're not together tends to be more negative, and when they're stood side by side, it's always been manufactured to be a lot more promising. Um, so you always have to take it with a, a pinch of salt and pathway towards a possible deal. I mean, I mean that they could be easily proven to be empty words. I mean to a possible deal. Not a deal, not a pathway to a deal, pathway to a possible deal. I don't think that's an unintentional inclusion in that phrase. So we may just be getting a little bit carried away at this point because I think there's still a long way to go. And then you have to ask the question, which we still haven't learned yet, and of course there's time uh, over this uh, next 48 hours, uh, maybe even prior to when some people have listened to this podcast, to find out uh, exactly where they've come to an agreement that they hadn't come to an agreement before. And I think the initial response that I'm seeing from people is, Okay, so how much has Boris sold out the DUP? Uh, where have they come to an agreement maybe on customs, uh, which is where the EU is adamant there needs to be um, an alignment on customs? Where have they come to an agreement in a way that they could potentially see a pathway to a deal? And how much are the DUP on board or aware of this at this moment in time? Is Boris going to try and push a deal through the Commons that doesn't necessarily have the DUP's support? We don't know these details yet because we don't know what exactly has been said in these meetings. It is promising, but, I mean, we're three weeks from Brexit, just under three weeks from Brexit, a week from the EU Council meeting. There's plenty more twists and turns. Does the DUP have as much leverage as it once had when it was holding the balance of power? Uh, The Conservative government is now a minority government. Are they not less important than they used to be in this process? I think the margins are still going to be extremely fine. So 
I, I, I think there is an element. If, if you can have them on board, you have a much greater chance of getting this deal over the line than if you don't. Because ultimately, the Lib Dems are not going to back any deal at this point. They're going into another election and they are fighting for Remain. They're not even fighting for a second referendum. Labour has said they'll never back a Tory deal. Now, there will be some rebels within that Labour party who will back a Tory deal because they're in heavily leave uh, constituencies. And I think you will see some rebellion in, within that. Uh, the numbers of which it is difficult to say at this stage because it very much does depend on the deal. But the vast majority of the Labour Party will not back a deal because they'll never back a Tory deal. They'll only back their own deal. And as they said at their party conference, they'll then put that to a second referendum as well. Um, but but so- if if a, a deal is, is agreed with the EU and then there's a vote and it goes through, where does that leave Labour in a manifesto for a future election, which surely can't be far away? I think it, it, they'd be much happier in many ways that they're not responsible for Brexit and the aftermath and what follows. Um, if there is going to be any uh, any economic fallout from it, they will not be blamed because they never supported it. They'll never be blamed for any negative knock-on impact over the, ne- over the coming months or years because they never supported it. And plus, they've always tried to focus more on other things. If you look at their manifesto from 2017, they said they will continue to deliver on the will of the people, but they promised all of these other things because they wanted the the conversation, they wanted to direct the topic of conversation onto other issues like tuition fees, etc. Things that they feel more strongly about and they feel is, is maybe more important. Well, they're certainly vote winners, aren't they, those particular policies? Well, he, he certainly outperformed at the 2017 election compared to what people were expecting. So it's clearly something that's still important to people. And I, I do agree with the, 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 the sentiment of people are bored of Brexit at this point. People do just want something done. Um, uh, and... Uh, that that does play well for both sides in terms of getting a deal over the line but again it's it's all politics and this is the difficulty that even Boris is still going to have going into Parliament I'm still of the opinion that he's going to struggle to get a deal through Parliament by the end of this month because of the way the numbers are working out um, and because I feel like the divide um, is still significant between the UK and the EU and unfortunately for Boris he may have secured the uh, the leadership vote uh, from the Conservative Party members but he still doesn't have a mandate for no deal in the worst case scenario. So that's why he's so adamant for an election and that's why he's already said recently that he will not uh, fight an election promising no deal. He'll fight an election promising a deal or a no deal if a deal can't be agreed because then he has a mandate. That makes it much more difficult for Parliament if he did secure a majority on that mandate and even a uh, a majority alongside the Brexit party. If he secured that majority on that mandate, it's a lot more difficult for Parliament to then pass things like the Ben Bill to force Parliament to, re- to force the Prime Minister to request an extension because he has a mandate to deliver no deal if one isn't agreed by a certain date. I disagree with you about getting it through Parliament. I think the, the, the toughest hurdle is getting it through the EU. Once we get to that stage, if they can agree a deal, I just believe that a lot of the majority of MPs will just go, let's get this thing done and move on. And there'll be enough Labour MPs and probably some of the old wavering Conservatives who've, who aren't necessarily even Tories anymore and are independents who will just think, let's just get this thing done, move on. We can't have a second referendum now. Let's have an election instead. But and the other factor in this, and let's get back to the economics of this, if there is a deal signed by October the 31st, surely there's going to be a Brexit boost to the economy because suddenly the big shock and awe tactic is over and we might actually get a situation where the pound rises there's optimism in the air and you know less worry about unemployment jobs going abroad and so on 
I mean, that's such a huge if, though. Um, a deal being agreed that we haven't seen already, where we've seen a lot of people um, discouraging the belief that a deal is going to be reached, that the Boris's proposals received quite the backlash from certain quarters in regards to how feasible uh, they actually are. Um, but, I, but I still think. I want to ask the question, though, in terms of the actual. If, if it, let's just assume, or maybe I'm just jumping ahead, that mm-hmm. a deal is signed by October 3rd, that would give the economy a boost, would it not? Yeah, of course it would. I mean, the, the, we've got to remember the, the Brexit is the ma- the biggest uncertainty factor that there is affecting our personal economy right now. The US-China trade war and the negative knock-on effects of that is also having an effect globally. But from our personal perspective, the greatest downside risk is uh, is the fallout from either a no-deal Brexit or the prolonged uncertainty, further extension after extension after extension. We've seen that we've been growing at a very low rate now since 2016. Um, so this is clearly having a, a negative knock-on effect. If you can secure a deal which takes us into a transitional period which then takes us towards a deal um, where we're leaving the EU on amicable terms and yeah, businesses will be will be absolutely delighted. Investment will rise. We will see consumers feeling more relaxed. The topic of conversation will change. All of these things will benefit the economy, absolutely. Whether we'll stop, we'll see the economy soar, or given the fact that we'd be then getting a deal just as the global economy is slowing and fears of a global recession arising, it is another thing. But we'll definitely see a bounce back in uh, in the in the economy to an extent. Um, again, the difficulty is just the numbers because we've talked about the DUP needing to be on side, but there's a number of Conservative members who uh, MPs who say. They can't support a, a deal that the DUP doesn't support. So it's not just the 10 members of Parliament sure. who are DUP. It's the others. It's the, with yeah. the, those within the ERG. You say if Boris brings something back, then surely Parliament will back it. But if he brings back Theresa May's deal, there's still going to be people who are going to be opposed to it. So it's not as easy as, as that. And again, trying to find yeah. a way around the customs issue is very difficult. Not unachievable, but in 20 days, I'm not sure. And this uh, EU Council Summit next week, which day is that? going to be on the, the, the summit. Thursday and Friday. Thursday and Friday. So, so something has to be set in play by then, correct? Yes. I mean, let's be honest, in an ideal world, but Thursday and Friday is not the 11th hour. We've seen these things before. Granted, anything, any deal needs to pass through various parliaments and that takes... Uh, that that takes a certain amount Parliament of time. Sitting so, on the Saturday as well, isn't it? Exactly, uh, and that leaves us only two weeks effectively until yeah. the uh, until the exit day. It's always difficult to gauge a specific time frame because while things. T- typically take X amount of time. Remember, remember when uh, Theresa May was um, initially discussing a deal and the uh, the deadline was the 31st was of March. <laughs> I know, I, I feel like I had far less grace. Um, we were talk- people were saying, if we want to leave on the 31st of March, a deal absolutely has to be wrapped up by the 31st of October because they need five or six months in order for this to go through each and every parliament within the EU. Then that became the 31st of December. Yeah. Then that became middle of March. With these deadlines can always the, the the time frames can always be shortened to a certain extent in order if these things need to be done crucially enough. We're being told now that the absolute deadline is this summit in the middle of uh, in the middle of this month. Don't be surprised if that's pushed back a week. Okay, let's move away from Brexit, uh, albeit briefly, and talk about UK data next week. Uh, how much of it is? When's the GDP figure coming out? By the way. So the GDP figure is not next week. That yeah. will be um, maybe the week after or the week after yeah. uh, that, because obviously we had the we had one GDP reading this week, which yeah. was the monthly one. Which, um, which 
uh, gives gives us uh, an indication that there is not going to be officially a recession. Which yeah, is it wasn't news. it wasn't bad enough because the we, yeah. the monthly number was minus zero point one percent. We had yeah. a, a another negative reading two months prior to that, but the one in between, which was revised to zero point four percent, would suggest that we're not getting a negative Just quarterly reading. By, but yeah. yeah, really scraping by. But again, yeah. I'm 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 always a big skeptic of technical recessions because uh, I, I too, it's symbolic too, though, isn't it? Really, more than anything else, it is, and it's very political. Very politically um, uh, interesting tool because it's something yeah. that you can launch at the other side. But two quarters of minus point zero one growth. What's worse, two of those are one minus point five and one plus point one. In one you're you're in a recession, in the other you're not. But what which one's worse? So, I mean, we because we never had the double dip recession, did we? Well, I mean, yeah. that was revised out about what three years later. Yeah, I mean, I the, it's this is the thing, I and mean, these are always subject to revisions and everything. So you've always got to really be a bit nitpicky with the, your, your data and how you analyse it. I, um, I took you off the, the main subject. What, what is the UK data coming out next week? So the UK data coming out next week. Um, it's always the second week of the month, and you get uh, second or third week of the month, and you get the jobs report, you get the inflation data, and you get the retail sales data. We'll also hear from Mark Carney next week as well. Labour market data is likely to remain relatively strong but then that's been the case throughout this entire scenario and I'm sure you can speculate for yourself on why it is that the labour market's held up when the economy is Drag being dragged along, kicking and screaming, um, when other pieces of data have not necessarily been so healthy you can speculate on why um, the Let's labour speculate market... speculate then, why? It's, well, like I say, it's very difficult to say my, my, my thinking is Is it the it... way that they put the data together? Is it the gig economy? I think the gig economy and the flexibility of the labour market, this is one area where it comes to our benefit because companies feel because of the flexibility that they can utilise within the labour market that they don't feel like they need to make big decisions on employment right now uh, and therefore if the worst case scenario happens then they can quickly adjust their business model in order to uh, deal with it. So that means that it's beneficial now because we don't see that negative feedback loop uh, appearing prior to what may never be, what may never happen but it means that the drop off in the aftermath could be more severe uh, as a result of that. And I think there's also an element of, well, which um, I've seen various pieces of various articles and things on, is in relation to, well, yeah, the labour market's holding up, but business investment is very poor. So what's that telling us? Well, that may be telling us that at this moment in time, it's a lot cheaper to hire people than it is to invest in infrastructure that's actually improving productivity. Mm. So while it's good for the labour market right now, it's worse for longer term productivity uh, in these various companies. What about the inflation uh, data? Um, that's uh, going south of uh, 2% at the moment, isn't it? Uh, is, is that something that uh, we should be worried about? I'm not. I'm not really too worried about the inflation data right now. It dropped to 1.7% last month, but it's been around 2% now for for the entirety of this year. So I don't think that's a massive worrying factor now either. I think when we're looking at this data next week and the retail sales as well on uh, I think it's Thursday. Um, on Friday, sorry. Um, the um, no, again on Wednesday. Um, yeah. We we were looking at these figures and we're saying. How important are they? Like, are they going to have an influence? Are they telling us too much if we know but don't know about the economy already? They're, no, they're not. Are they telling us about what the Bank of England's going to do next? Probably not. Um, that's mm. going to be very Brexit dependent. We're so close to the deadline now. I, I feel like these numbers are um, more noise than um, than anything else. But again, people are always going to uh, be interested in them. But I, I'm not sure they're anything more uh, than just interesting in light of everything that's happening. Okay, let's uh, switch to the other side of the Atlantic now and talk about uh, what's going on with the trade war between the United States and China. And uh, once again, a bit more positivity in the air. Progress in Washington, perhaps. 
It seems so. So um, we had the talks yesterday between um, the, the, the the two teams and the, the noises that we were hearing from it was quite positive. It seems that there's been a bit of a shift um, recently in the expectations from the Chinese side predominantly. The question is, can they convince the US to be on board? So China has, 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 has effectively taken the approach of, do you know what, there's all of this that we agree on and there's these things we don't agree on. So how about we sign a limited deal based on all of this that we agree on and we can come back to this next year. Now obviously that suits the Chinese side more because it's these things that Trump cares about more than the other bit. Um, and Trump would rather keep it packaged together because while the tariffs are in place, while the economy's slowing, the pressure is remained to get a comprehensive deal that includes the things that he's interested in things like forced technology transfer things uh, and all these other uh, more, the technical issues that goes beyond just trade balance numbers um, and of course I know we hear a lot about imports and exports but again I think that's part of the political message the, the, the thing that people can really relate to the things that the farmers in the US etc can relate to the manufacturers and people who've worked in manufacturing can relate to as well Whereas things like forced technology transfers and uh, other issues like that, this is things that are more important to businesses as a whole. Um, so I think Trump would rather continue to keep the pressure on, but... The, the the Chinese have come to Washington with this, with this alternative idea in mind and it seems that they've said something that has uh, piqued the interest and now we've got a meeting today with the, the Chinese Vice Premier uh, and uh, Trump in the White House. So who knows what will come from that again we are recording this prior to that announcement but there is certainly a, a much greater feeling of optimism and even if that's just a slight de-escalation de that's positive if that includes China buying more agricultural products and the US not imposing the tariffs which are due to go into force uh, in the final in, in the final couple of months of this year then that is positive progress that is de-escalation um, from where we've come and that is um, hopefully a sign of um, of things to come but Let's not count our chickens yet. I didn't ask you before with this optimism over Brexit and, of course, this trade war positivity as well. How has that affected uh, currencies at the moment? I know there was a rise in sterling yesterday. What about the dollar? Yeah, so the dollar actually came off a little bit. And I think that was um, we've got to remember that the dollar is broadly seen as a um, uh, as a safe haven uh, to a great extent now. So we did see that uh, we did see that drop maybe one percent or so in the aftermath of this. Um be because again it, it, anything that goes positively for the trade war is good for the the global the global economic outlook which is constantly being revised lower at this moment in time and um, when these things have escalated people have sought their safe haven so gold has done very well during these escalations in currencies the yen the Swiss franc has done very well and the dollar as well because uh, US treasuries the US dollar is the world's reserve currency so it has its safe haven aspect there but US treasuries yielding more than the rest of the West the rest of the West uh, means that you naturally see people moving into these because they offer a decent return and um, it, it's very much risk averse. So the dollar has come off uh, a little bit, like I say, around one, maybe uh, 1%. But I think we need to see a lot more. But we did definitely see a boost in the overall markets. And what announcements are we going to get from the Fed next week? So we've got various Fed speakers next week. So we got the minutes this week, which was... Um, it was actually quite interesting, the minutes, because the minutes actually suggested that they have seen a downward uh, a downward impact to the uh, economic outlook as a result of the recent developments and they highlighted the trade war, they highlighted Brexit and other things, the, the unknown around Brexit and various other things that they said have actually means that their, their expectations for the economy are now worse than they were before. So people have taken that as a, as a clear sign that we are going to see more rate cuts this year. We've seen two at the previous two meetings uh, and expectations have vastly risen that we're going to see another one now uh, at the next meeting this month and then 
even maybe another one again in December. And again, I still think that's quite extraordinary when we consider where the US economy still is, still very healthy and four rate cuts in four meetings um, seems quite extraordinary. But the markets are absolutely demanding it. And when the markets are demanding it to the extent that they are now, the Fed has very little choice but to follow. Must ask you about the effect of this news coming out of Iran of an attack on one of its tankers. Um, I just had a quick look at the oil price and it's fairly subdued up a little bit, but um, we still don't know whether these reports are completely substantiated. Um, are there any concerns about that? It's, it's really interesting because oil did spike today around 1, 1.5%, but that's really small when you consider that this is, uh, again, reports of an Iranian tanker uh, being hit by two missiles, which they claim came from Saudi Arabia, which represents an escalation of this uh, this conflict, which already escalated a few weeks ago, but seemed to settle down since. That was when Brent and WTI spiked 20% in the aftermath of that. All of those gains were wiped off over the next couple of weeks, and we actually traded below those levels um, it, 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 so soon after, which was quite quite incredible, partly due to the fact that Saudi Arabia managed to get almost all of these uh, facilities back online. Uh, And we've seen this again overnight, and oil's up 1.5%, but then stock markets are up 1.5%, US futures are up, US markets gained yesterday, risk appetites improved, and that's been beneficial for oil as well. So you're like, how much of this is actually attributed purely to this attack and this escalation in in, in this in, in this conflict. And I, I feel I find that amazing right now because it seems that traders are very reluctant to factor in heightened geopolitical risk. It seems that the, the traders maybe can only focus on one narrative and that narrative right now is the global economic outlook. So anytime we see a positive progress in the trade dogs, oil goes higher. Negative, oil goes lower. And we see these we see these geopolitical um, events and markets kind of go well I guess it's important but it's not really that important so I'm surprised that oil's not higher on the back of this but again maybe once these reports become more confirmed and we start to learn more about what's actually happened here maybe we'll see that again but this is very unusual compared to what we've seen previously especially in that area of the world Finally Craig it is uh, earning season which starts uh, next week uh, which should we look out for particularly? Well, I mean, it's always the banks earlier on in early earnings season, so we'll hear from JP Morgan, Wells Fargo and the likes. Um, and these are always the first uh, barometers that we do get of the economy because the great thing about the banks is you learn about what they're, like their lending, we learn about their margins, um, and we, we get a bit of an insight into what their views on the economic outlook are and what their forecasts are going to be in terms of their own earnings potential. So it, it's always a good way to start earnings season, I find, and it really does just set the tone. Um, I still think earnings season is probably not going to be great um, we uh, we obviously got the earnings recession that we uh, we were expecting in the last quarter that's probably going to extend to this quarter as well and we'll exit the earnings recession um, in the fourth quarter of this year um, but I don't think anyone's getting enormously carried away but again that always depends on what these not just what these numbers say it's um, the numbers are always slightly better than forecast so we may actually not remain in an earnings recession but once we see all these revisions but it's me it's what the companies are expecting next and how big a threat they see the trade war how big an impact is it already having on their business um, and what kind of a prolonged impact is it going to have on their business investment so it's going to be very closely followed as it ever is um but I don't think it's necessarily going to be dramatically bad. And again, when you're looking at when you're when you're talking about it against the backdrop of what's happening on trade and on the backdrop of what's happening elsewhere, uh, I, I wonder how how much of a significance it's going to uh, it's going to be uh, in terms of the mindset. Because I, I always say 
traders just have this thing where they, they have this one topic which they can primarily focus on and everything else is just a supporting factor. Mm. Um, can earning season become the primary focus or is this going to be the supporting factor to the trade war? Yeah, I'd take the latter actually. Yeah. Um, we're a week away from speaking again. Are you optimistic uh, as a final note about Brexit and where we'll be? I mean, it'll be Friday next time we speak. The uh, EU would have met. We'll be on the eve of a possible parliamentary sitting and uh, maybe a few hours away from a vote, uh, maybe a few days away from a vote. Are you positive, optimistic? Give us your prediction. I... Still don't think we'll see no deal, but I don't think we'll, at this moment in time, get a deal either. I think that over the next two weeks, a forced extension, whether it's delivered by Boris or someone else or the Supreme Court or whatever else, I think there's going to be so much theatre around it. But um, I do think there'll probably still be an extension which will allow us to have the election, which allows Boris to potentially get the mandate he needs to prevent any further extensions. I just don't... I think this has all come at a time when he hasn't achieved the mandate which stops Parliament blocking him. Um, So uh, that's how I still feel like it's going to happen. But like I say, there's going to be so many twists and turns probably between now and the next time we speak. So things will change and that's always been the case when it comes to Brexit. Should be fascinating. Look forward to speaking to you Absolutely. again next week. Thank you. From the team behind Jazz FM's Business Breakfast, a daily early morning 30-minute briefing for the day ahead. On air from 6am. Listen to Jazz FM on DAB, online or just ask Alexa.